I was going to say your guys' names, but I forgot what they were, so I literally only remembered my name. I, I have been, been Neymar. If anyone ever sees this tape, know that I lived a good life. I have been Rebecca O'Keefe. I have been Denise Curtin. We had Choopy on earlier as well, and nobody's going to see this because I'm going to cut out the entire end. So and thank together you. we have been thank Girls you. of Gold. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Girls With Goals. We're talking about our favorite things this week. We have Chupi Sweetman coming on the show in a little while and she is, as of today, one of my favorite things. That sounds incredibly weird. No, no one I of my like favorite, it. favorite people. Um, so I've got a couple of mates in with me today. Woo-hoo. So her beauty editor, Rebecca O'Keefe, is here and writer with her daddy, Denise Curtin, is here as well. Ladies, you're very welcome to the show. Thank great you. to be here. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having us. We're going to talk about our favorite things and basically I wanted to do this show because because every once in a while I get this urge to chat to just know about what every other person is <laughs> watching, eating, consuming, reading, wearing. That's me every Putting single on their day. Face. I yeah. always want to know exactly what everyone's doing. I get such FOMO over TV, movies, books, yeah. clothes. The TV thing and the food FOMO is so real. So real. Like I can't yeah. actually go out for dinner with a person without being like even I yesterday we went for we all went for Galentine's lunch was very cute delightful and I was turning to him was like what are you getting because I, I want to taste it to make sure I've made the right decision yeah now I don't share food which we learned I didn't actually get to taste her chicken <laughs> cashew but, but it was it was Delicious. delightful yeah. yes um, for you. so we are <laughs> going to start off with our game it's called six words or less we all know it at this point you describe yourself in six words or less But that's not what we're going to do this week. Game changer. We just want, <laughs> again, Neve is just in that realm where she just needs to know all the information. So I just want to hear six of your favorite things or less if you want to be scabby. But just give me all the six things. And you then we'll talk. first. Okay. And I'll prompt you if you forget yours. Thank you. We rehearsed this. We rehearsed this. Oh, really? There was a bit of a panic. <laughs> like, I can't bring my sheet with me. I was like, well, how will I remember six things in my head? Okay, so you could have brought your sheet with you if you wanted. No, you know, I'm trying to be professional. Okay, sorry, sorry. Anyway, sorry. moving on. <laughs> my six things are chicken madras. That's two words. Oh, no. Wait. So chicken is a favorite thing and madras is a favorite thing. Okay. Oh, you're in trouble. We did not know this. <laughs> okay. Rewind. I actually think I'll... No. Fine, I'll allow. Okay, I'll thank you. Allow. Chicken madras, head massages. What are you... That's four words. What are you talking about? Let, Let me do this. Me. Fine. It's six things. You didn't say six <laughs> words of things you like. Fine. So anyway. A lot of mine are one words. Head massages, chicken madras. Hers is the same, by Fine. the way. Um, fake tan, holidays, and... Lit fires. Lit fires. I think I said that. There was another one. Trackies. Tracksuit pants that I'm wearing. Oh, you're wearing tracksuit pants. Yeah. Thank you so much for dressing up for us. Thank you so much. Yeah. Tracksuit <laughs> pants are a new bow fashion. And a velvet crop top, though. And a That's velvet yeah. actual sports bra. So I'm That's really a, chill. That's a sports bra. Yeah. I It's love a velvet it. you can sweat like in. Mm. You wore those tracksuit pants in the office the other day, and it was the day that our our manager, our founder, our founder, our founding founder. <laughs> Right, our dad, Niall McGarry, was in. And basically, Denise was like, the one day I wear tracksuit pants in. But they looked great. You were wearing you them. It was a look. Yeah. I'm trying to. Because yeah. I don't understand why tracksuit pants are associated with downtime and like lazy comfy. wear. Because they're comfy. I think it's because like back in the day when tracksuit pants wore in fashion, they were seen as like a PE garment. But now because 
everyone wears tracksuit pants as fashion. I'm like, they are now as good as a jeans. Or Yeah, I was watching um, the first episode of Dirty John last night, which is one of my favorites, which we'll get to. It uh, was a podcast, now a documentary on Netflix. Unbelievable. But at one point, John Meehan, who's the main person in it, played by Eric Bana, holy crap, he's good, um, was wearing tracksuit pants and it was Thanksgiving and the granny was off at a distance. That's why you wear them at Thanksgiving. But she was like, but but Thanksgiving is like a time when, you know, you dress up. It's like Christmas. Yeah, yeah, like you dress up. And I just thought it was very funny because it made me think of you because she literally, (laughs) she just turned, she turned. Christmas Day mass, everybody. (laughs) Granny turned to her granddaughter and was just like, he's wearing pajamas. I mean, they're sweatpants, but sweatpants are pajamas. (laughs) I literally just thought That is literally me, but it's even when I see people dressing up for the cinema and stuff like that. I wear track pants to everything. Comfort. I will end up wearing them on Christmas Day. Why not? But everyone ends up in tracksuit bottoms on Christmas exactly. Day. Exactly. So go to mass in your little dress and then the minute you get in the door. I'm really just skipping steps and being smart about it. Yeah. Yeah. Tactical. Saving yourself time. Mm-hmm. I loved all of your favourite things. We might come back to head massages in a moment. But Rebecca O'Keefe, if you could please relay it okay. in six words or less. Let's not forget the root of this game Mine are mine, mine are not going to all be one word. Okay, great. Okay. One, Disney. Fab, knew that. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk Every... about Disney later. Yeah. yeah. Two, New York. Yeah. Three, banana pudding. Interesting. Mm. I know. It's so fucking and delicious. Gross. No, it's not gross. <laughs> it's not gross. Banana pudding? Not not like, it's not what you think it is. There is chocolate to be had. No. In any kind no. of pudding scenario. Mm-hmm. No, it's not like your run-of-the-mill pudding that comes in like a shit yogurt pot and you eat it. You're like, no. It's from Magnolia Bakery in New York, subsequently revert back to number two. And it is fucking delicious. Okay. I've tried to make it myself. And I'll I, allow. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing it's her favourite yeah. thing, not ours. Banana pudding, go mm. on. Three, wait, that was three. four. Yeah. Gucci. Mm-hmm. Ah, fancy. Five, Johnny Cash. Okay, curveball. May he rest in peace. And six, County Sligo. Oh, okay. Great job. Thank Loved you. them all. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you. We put out a call to our listeners as well of Girls With Goals to just tell us about what they were reading and what they were watching. And I have to say, pretty much from every single person who got in touch with me was the Dolly Alderton book, Everything. Yes. Oh. Everything <laughs> I Know About Love. Oh, like, it's so good. It's there was book. lists of books coming in and lists of podcasts and lists of documentaries, but this was pretty much on every single list. Now, I have to tell you, I haven't read it. You need to. So I've been obsessed with her for a long time. She... So just in case there's more people like me out there, yeah. just tell us about who Dolly Alderton is. So Dolly Alderton is a journalist. She has her own podcast and she just wrote this book. And it's like a memoir, but it's when you hear memoir, you're like, ugh. But it's a really interesting take on a memoir. It's basically like her experiences with love in every shape and form. Friendships, relationships with her family, everything. But it tells the story of her life. That's incredible. So like everything I know about love, and I'm just like quoting some research that we did here. So a book about female friendships more so than a romantic love. Mm. And it's split into three parts, a memoir, a love letter about friendship and relationship advice as well. So I think that in itself is such an incredible hook because like sometimes I feel like when people talk about love, it's just this one type of love. Yeah. I think sometimes when you read books and you read about love, it's always a love that you wish you could could have have. yourself. Yeah. But it's so unattainable. Whether this book is all about the love that you have with your friends, self-acceptance most importantly, 
And when she wrote this book and when she took down all the memoirs, when she's going through her mid-twenties, it really is a time when you're seriously confused about everything in life. You don't know which way's up. You don't know, do you really like the guy that you're with? You don't know, should you be single? You don't know, should you be in a relationship? You don't know anything about anything. And it's a really, really, really confusing time. And she just captures that so well. And one of the lines she says as well, she's talking about the love that she has for her friends. And she said, it's even in small things like text saying, how's your day going? I bought Lou Roll. Things that you yeah. forget are actually a sign of love and that people have their palms out ready to catch you if you do fall. This woman is young. She's like, literally she's, just, yeah, turned just turned 30. 30. Yeah. I'm and actually going to see her speak in two days. She's doing a thing. She's like doing like a reading of her book and stuff in and I know Dublin. That, yeah, and she presents the high-low, so mm. we'll talk about that in a moment as well. But why do you think, like, I mean, not why do you think, it's it's incredible that, like, uh, women are identifying yeah. so much. But why do you think it, it's such a huge impact? So from, real. Is it so real? so real? Is it her so realness? Real. Yeah. Or is it just that she's talking about things that haven't been spoken about before? I don't know. I read it, and I got the book as a gift, and my friend gave it to me because she was like, I swear to God, I was reading this, and I could hear you saying it. Mm -hmm. Whereas I read it, and I was like, I can hear my friend Neve reading this part. I think there's you can just identify with it, and everybody she's talking about you can be like that's my friend Neve that's my friend Shiv you know you can yeah, pick your you, not to typecast everyone into this like ga girl gang but you yeah. always have your like friends you go to for certain things and I think every 20 something woman reading that book would be like yeah that's me that's my life and, and she so, also gives advice right mm -hmm. and recipes yeah she, she loves book, she's this big thing about food and she gives recipes in the book what? the book is full of everything like that and what I think is most important about it is that it goes through a string of her relationships mm. and how her friends are always there even though they might fight and argue about new guys that they bring into each other's lives they're always there to catch you at the end and I think that's what's so important about it because we all know that ourselves when you get into relationships and things like that sometimes you forget about how important your friends are and you become self-obsessed yeah. and you become obsessed with the person that you're with yeah. and all of a sudden they take a back seat but it's then remembering that they're always there for you they're and she, the constant in they life, are the yeah. constant I mean, in your life that's so it's unreal you're it's unreal. poetic right it's there really yeah. poetic. like literally in my head there i just started going through all of my past relationships and and throughout, and obviously all the relationships you're in before you're in your current one haven't worked. Yeah. And throughout all of them, your friends yeah. are that constant. Like. They're there. Yeah. Forever, and they know yeah. everything about mm -hmm. every everything. conversation, yeah. every fight you've had, every scenario where you're trying to get advice. They know the ins and outs of that relationship probably yeah. better than you and, and your partner does. And they're always there to have your back in yeah. a fight. Even if you're wrong. Even you never find that. If you're being a crazy fucking bitch, Sometimes. your friends are like, you're so right. Yeah, yeah. and they're you're like, so look, right. forget about him. He's a fucking asshole. Yeah. Move on. You're great. And I think that's what's so important about it because you're reading they it. They bring you up. They lift you up. They make and you feel When class. you read it, like Rebecca was saying, you do think about your own friends. Yeah. And I think about my own friends' relationships and how you know, like I've held their heads while they cry into yeah. me mm. due to breakups. Held and, their heads as they get sick and yeah, the toilet, like all that journey. Or like, you know, even like fix their tan when they're going out for a date or told them that they stink or, you know, things like that, <laughs> like the little things that you are stink. so important because you are like a parent yeah. to each other. You know, yeah. you, you shape them and mold them and make yeah. sure that when they go on dates, they look fucking stunning. And when that they come home, you know, they're in their pajamas. If it didn't yeah. go well, you'd have the Netflix ready to go. I bawled crying reading the last chapter okay. and then I like text a couple of my friends being like, I love you. But the they good thing like, is, is now it's not the last chapter because she has, she has a new one. brought out a new chapter about turning 30 and what she knows about love yes, at 30. Yes, being 30. Can't relate. Can't relate. 
cool. Um, I can't relate either because that was two years ago that I was 30. Um, so also she presents. Flirty 30s. Yeah. Flirty 30 and thriving. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. So she um, also presents the high low, right? So With let's move Sykes, yeah. quite swiftly into podcasting here which is like my bag I'm obsessed thing. I'm obsessed with a few new old podcasts if, if that makes sense you're re-listening to I'm them re-listening to them yeah um but the high low again I just need to get into it. I don't I don't it's listen so to good. it but I it's good. Yeah. weirdly I had actually followed the, the, the co-host Pandora Sykes so I. I had wow. followed her long before I ever knew who Dolly Alderton was yeah because she's just this kind of like fashion London girl she's a queen she just had a bit ba- her baby's adorable like yeah. she just has this gorge life she's very boho chic okay yeah. and a gorgeous voice to listen to on Love the podcast that. Well, that's a sweet so British great. accent though I mean could listen to it and Dolly and Pandora together they just have such it brilliant chat yeah, it banter, flows like, yeah. effortlessly no guests really they have a few authors in but the podcast is basically about the two of them talking about like the highbrow and the lowbrow it's a tina brown thing the long story but basically it's yeah. like you can enjoy going to the opera but you can also enjoy getting chips and watching eastenders beautiful Do you know life it's like about balance the highbrow and the lowbrow of life and how it's and basically they talk like they'll have a snippet about what they're reading and then they'll talk about like ah. the crazy shit that you know mad stuff that they're doing and they talk about the news and everything that's and going on and their producer as well thinks that they're so DJ good CJ. talking yeah <laughs> Thinks that they're so good. Who's the talking producer? Together. DJ CJ. Is that man, woman? Man. Okay. But he loves the way that they talk together. He's like, I don't want you to talk outside of the podcast. Keep everything, everything. for the podcast. I say that to you guys as well. I'm just like, stop. Uh, yeah, we'll be mid-sentence speaking. and Neve will be like, hush. Just, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anything about it because I feel like that is what, you know, an incredible piece of audio is. It's the conversations mm. that you've never had before, essentially. Yeah, and if you talk at all cut. before, like if you guys had told me your six words or less right before, I would have known and I would have been bored and I wouldn't have reacted in the same way. Bored, eh? <laughs> oh, I That's what you think about our favourite things in life. Wow. Okay. Johnny Cash rolling All right, in chicken madras. Come on now. Chicken madras. It's delicious. That's what she's having for dinner <laughs> later. Never had it. Oh my God, what? Yeah, Indian. Yes. Doesn't agree with me. Okay, worrying. I would walk out right now, but I'm being professional. My tracks of pants. Bit I'm of garlic, I'm going to stay here. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's too hot. Indian food's too hot for me. Have you ever had a chicken korma? They're like, it's like eating yogurt. It is. Yeah, but they're grainy. Not into the grainy Where, where have you had a grainy <laughs> chicken korma? Because I'm scared. Name and shame. <laughs> right now. Do you not think, I always think of Indian food. It's just, it's just a preference. Let's all calm down. Just not into Indian food. What's your food. take out of choice? It would be Thai. Okay, I can't argue with that. Mm. No, I can't. But either. I would pick Indian every time. Absolutely. Every yes. And time. Chinese if I'm really hungover. No, Chinese no. makes me... No, Chinese It takes hot. years off your life. It does. Like, sometimes I think I crave MSG. You know, they were like, we don't yeah. have MSG here. We're fantastic. I'm yes, like, well, I do. don't want to hear from you. You know then. the way yeah. cats cough sometimes up a hairball? Oh, for I feel like that's what a Chinese looks like inside <laughs> your stomach when you eat it. Just a ball Like a ball of grease of and shit. Yeah. 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 yeah, but like, throw on a few prawn crackers and some fried rice and it's a delicious ball of See, I'd be into the chicken tikka. That comment is declined. Mm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Nan, pill, rice, oh, everything. Um, so the high-low and... <laughs> <laughs> and garlic nan. So really other podcasts that are my absolute favourite at the moment, I am re-listening to Serial. Well, I finished re-listening to Serial season one. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to it when it came out, which was like 2016. I have not listened to Serial. And I know. Why. And I have been so close to trying it every time. And then I just put, I don't know. 
I never get to it. Okay, if you don't know anything about the story of the first season as well, of Adnan Saeed and of that murder case and that trial, then you can still listen to it. And it doesn't ruin it for you. And it, well, okay. it doesn't ruin it. If you don't know anything about it, then you can still listen to it and you can still be changed by it because it is the best podcast that has to do that. ever been made. It except really is, for this one. Except for this one, of course. But it's so easy to listen to. The presenter is incredible. She was a reporter for years herself, so she knows all about the ins and outs mm. of the court system. This case was not covered. Like, it was a local, essentially, murder case when it happened back in, like, 1999, 2000. And this podcast actually changed the course of, the the, course of it. Like, yeah, not, giving, not giving too much away but like this is what a powerful podcast is the, uh, and Teacher's Pet is another one that I've been you that love, I have you love that yeah. you talked about that a lot more yeah sorry but like that again that <laughs> is that the one that I thought you were moving to Australia to work on yeah I said I've started I've started this new podcast and I said Teacher's Pet and Rebecca literally was just like how do you have the time to go to Australia and work on this I was like I'm not doing when Teacher's she said Pet. started she meant like listening to okay. it not starting as in working yeah so Rebecca thought I thought I was going to Australia to work on this Unbelievable podcast, by the way. Which see I, how much I faith would. I have in but you. But when you're a podcast gal as well, it could make sense. Like yeah, yeah, I get that. But mm-hmm. Teacher's Pet is very similar in the fact that again, it's about this crime that happened like 30 years ago in that case, um, and it is altering the the course and the investigation in a way like yeah. these like people, making a murder, I suppose, mm-hmm. documentary wise. But same these thing. people are producers. These people are journalists. They're not um, lawyers. lawyers. They're not solicitors. They don't have the power to do that. But what the power of these things are doing is it's actually opening it up again for people to take a second look. So for people who are in innocence projects to actually look at something and say, now I'm not saying this person is innocent or guilty. Mm. All of the people involved in mostly everything are still behind bars. But it's just about the questions. And I think podcasting is... is is, is a cool, changing. Yeah. It absolutely it's basically is. changing the world. Mm. Like. And true crime podcasts have become such a thing. True crime in, in general, general. Oh my has God. become massive. Yeah, like we're not going to even, I don't think we're going to even have time to talk about all of our favorite things if we just, if talk, we about just talk about true, true crime. crime. Because you could do a true crime episode. There's absolutely. so much to talk about on that. Um, abducted in plain sight. Sorry, that was the biggest mind fuck of all time. Oh, I mean, segwaying I didn't sleep that night because I was so confused as to what the fuck I had just watched. I I don't think Did you watch it? I watched it. I don't think... Um, so this is another one of our favourites, Abducted <laughs> in Plain Sight, True Crime, Netflix documentary. It's out now. Um, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, go watch Shut it now. Ears. Just pause yeah. this episode and then come back. Go watch it now. Um, but I do think most people have seen it by now, so I think we can talk about it. Um, the craziest story that I probably have ever heard about. And when I watched it, I watched it a good few weeks ago um, before it started trending so on Netflix I. because of my selections on Netflix. The true crime Eve, always... you may like. Yeah, exactly. It always <laughs> comes watching? up to the top. Yeah, I yeah, I'm just like, yeah, but sometimes I'm in a really bad mood and I'm just like, I don't think true crime is going to be good for me right now. Sometimes I watch true crime and I'm like, my life's not that bad. Sometimes I watch true crime while I'm eating and you know it gets a bit gory and you're yeah. a bit like oh. <laughs> eating her chicken chicken madras. eating my chicken madras <laughs> feet up tracks pants on boom head massage head massage yeah. fake tan um, but abducted in plain sight was a, a wild ride it was a wild ride yeah it was a wild For ride everyone <laughs> I mean and then the memes and the things oh, I that, shared a couple of those memes oh, they're fucking hilarious the things hilarious. that came out afterwards about this yeah. case um, but yeah like it's funny I find this whole true crime and how it's becoming favorites of so many people really interesting because we as human beings all have this insane 
fascination. Obsession and like, is it a weird fascination? I don't think it's weird because we all have times? it. Or yeah. is it that we all think that something like this could happen in our lives and we like wouldn't even know about it? Or like, you could get accused of murder tomorrow, Denise, and you might be in bars for the rest of your life. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, how can this I think so, and I think happen? because it's just so bizarre. So far removed it's from so our reality. Far removed, yeah. We just can't believe that it's happened and we can't believe that these events do occur while we're sitting down making a cup of tea, yeah. eating a Fredo bear. You know, we can't yeah. believe that these things can happen. And then at the same time, we can't believe like yeah. that this could happen here too, you know? So I, I think know. it's Mad just... Mad shit happens in Ireland too, but it's the, it, in fairness, weird stuff goes on in America. The Ted Bundy tapes were another one that came out and that have just completely turned everybody's lives upside down. Everybody is talking about it. Everybody's been listening to it and watching it. Um, I wasn't hugely pushed on them, but you know, it came up a few. It was people. an interesting watch, but it didn't like rock my I world. I found it kind of boring. I feel like it's because I know the Ted you Bundy story already. Yeah. Are we done with Ted Bundy? That was kind of like revision. Please God, no, I did make a read. No, the like, film. Oh, sorry, Zac oh, Zac Efron. Yeah, we're not done. And Zac Efron. Guys, I just don't want to have to fancy Ted Bundy. No, I get that. So yeah, this is the thing that unfortunately seems to be happening with this. It kind of happened with you as well, as in an incredibly oh, yeah. handsome and famous actor who we all know is not a serial killer and who we all know would never trap you in a cage um, because their actors are portraying these absolute psychopaths who are murdering people and people online still have the thirst. Oh, yeah. absolutely. So people online are still like, put me in a cage, Pen Badgley. And he's just like, mm, no, bitch. Why do you fancy a murderer? Yeah. This is really inappropriate. And like now there's this weird dialogue of like... Zac Ef the problem with the Zac Efron thing is, okay, with you... It's fiction, but like there are survivors of the Ted Bundy watching this like teen heartthrob play the man who tried to murder them in their sleep. Like, know. do you know what I mean? That and even even the music in the trailer was kitsch, Very, and it was yeah. like, oh my god! Like, look at his side profile. Like, they're definitely handsome. sexing him oh, up. Oh, they like, are. But yeah. like, sexing when him you up. use an actor like. Zac Efron, who's notoriously known for playing a sex symbol. And he then was in Baywatch for He was in Baywatch with his top off and all it was was just close-ups of his pecs. And then you and take now him and play one of the most notorious serial killers of all time. I it's, I don't like, know. fair play to Efron for not typecasting himself I think he wants, time. he wants more out of acting, obviously. He's not going to take on a role like that. He must be trying to really push himself. Yeah, and to maybe Oscar talks for him and shit. Yeah, like, so. I feel like he wants to do like what Johnny Depp did at the beginning of his career, mm. like say, no, yes, I know I've got the most incredible bone structure ever created, but I don't want to be the that person. I don't want to be the hot guy. But there has to be like a segue to this. You don't just go from you like don't... high school musical <laughs> to one of the world's most notorious serial killers. Like, I don't think Do you, you know should be I mean? on Baywatch, like you were saying, slow-mos <laughs> coming out of the sea to then butchering like, a woman yeah. in a sleep <laughs> like maybe he should have done like an NBC kind of special or he maybe should've he should have done, done an episode of CSI for yeah. crying out loud. Like you know what I mean? Yeah like I don't Criminal know, hold lines. up a forceps or something before you become this Ted insane man that's based on true life as well, which I think is this very is issue, yeah. sensitive. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And we're laughing, but we're laughing about Zac Efron more. So obviously but then the situation. Yeah, good for him. But you're <laughs> right. So Zac. You're, you're right. Maybe his agent might have said, let's wean our way in. Wean our way in. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to going full Monty at this. You know? Literally. Um, we're going to take a really... <laughs> 
from Baywatch to Ted Bundy. We're going to take a really quick break now, Emma, and we're going to come back in a second. So as I said earlier, Chupi Sweetman joined me earlier on in studio. Oh, my God. She's just a dream. And I she's think a queen. it's yeah, so she's fitting. Queen. She's so passionate about what she does. And she's really, she really is like, I'm going to well up even talking about her because when she talks about, oh, when she talks about like the jewelry that she makes for people for moments in their lives, it's truly, truly touching. Like, And I thought I was completely dead inside. And She always shares the stories on Instagram and I do love reading yeah. them. Oh, they're amazing. But anyway, take a listen and a look at this interview and enjoy. I'm joined now in studio by an incredible award-winning Irish jewellery designer. Chupi Sweetman joins me. Chupi, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Neve. Thank you so much for coming in. I'm a big fan of you and your brand for years. Thank you. I have also, this is going to sound so stalkery, but like I've seen you around town, I've seen you at events, and everybody kind of knows who you are, um, but I've never actually come up and said hello to you. So hello, big fan. It's <laughs> lovely to meet you, Neve. I'm genuinely convinced that um, it's the nerdy glasses, because yeah. I get um, lovely texts from people someone saying oh I saw you and I'm convinced it's because I wear these giant nerdy specs so yeah, a few years ago <laughs> like well, a few years ago I um, walked past my brother in the street and like my brother is six foot five and hairy and like you wouldn't you wouldn't miss him and he turned around and was like oi <laughs> I was like I genuinely didn't see him and I suddenly realized I needed glasses yeah and I'd never worn them and so I didn't understand I just didn't notice. And so I went to my really brilliant friend Deirdre, um, she's an optician on, Opti on Dawson Street, Optica. And I went in and got specs and I was like, this is amazing. I can see things. I know, yeah. <laughs> I was like that as well. I wear yeah. glasses too, but I got them when I was about 14 or 15. And I remember the first time I put them on, I was like, is this what everybody yeah, sees? Yes. Is this the world? It's so wow. exciting. Yeah, but um, I wear contact lenses now. I'm such a wuss. I haven't, and because I, um, you have to keep your nails really short to yeah. use them. And I'm just such a wuss about, I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. And I've only been wearing them for a couple of years. But I always think it's really funny that whenever anyone says, oh, I've seen you, I'm genuinely convinced it's like the nerdy glasses effect. They're oh, like, really? hey, nerdy, we saw you there. Yeah, it's a look, it's a look. And nerdy is in, so it doesn't matter anyway. Um, we're going to talk about your brand, and I really want to get into the business element of Chupi as well. Um, but first, let's go back a little bit. So let me talk about where you grew up. So you grew up in Wicklow, and you've kind of cited nature as a really huge inspiration for you. So was that something that was around you a lot when you were a kid and you just kind of fell in love? with it and then it carried with you throughout your life? So I was um, brought up in the middle of nowhere, like in, in Hollywood. In Hollywood, it's a tiny little village, about 500 people, about 5,000 sheep, right in the middle of the mountains. <laughs> 500 people, 5,000 sheep. so rural. Our house is six miles from the nearest little village and mm. three miles from the nearest road. We didn't even have electricity growing up. What? <laughs> and that sounds completely crazy, but we had a generator, so you'd have to go out in the morning and like wind up the generator to turn it on, and then you'd have to turn it off in the evening, so there was no electricity That literally sounds like something from a storybook. Our house was one of the last houses in Ireland to be electrified. Wow. So my parents worked, my dad's an economist and my mum's a journalist and so they worked all over the world. They were out in Sri Lanka, they got married in Dar es Salaam in Tanzania, they were in South America. That's why I'm called Chupi from all the travelling. Yeah, I mean your name is incredible as well, like I've never heard an, a name like that before. Well, because it's not a proper name. I was I, mean, I was outraged when I was uh, <laughs> little and um, I was about 12 or 13 and my, my best friend, who was also called Neve and Serka, and I managed to persuade them to call me Chupi for a whole summer. Yeah. Not to call me Chupi because I hate it. My second name's Camille. And I was right. like, please. I hate it. So, so they you actually changed your name to Camille. Well, only with my best friends, right, my best friends yeah. well. But um, my, my name basically means little one or yeah. baby. Oh. You'd say it too. So my parents were stationed out in Honduras and then yeah. in Guatemala. And you'd say, you'd hold a brand new baby and you'd say, chupi chupi, uh, like my love, my love, my little one. Like um, you'd say babushka or makushla. Oh, wow. or, 
hated it. I was like, my God, did you call me baby? <laughs> and then I, I grew into it. And yeah, I, it's beautiful. I'm inspired. And it's so funny when then the question always comes up. So all of my friends who've, who've unusual names, would you give your kid an unusual name? Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, and would you give, and like, so my husband is called Brian mm. and he always laughs about it because when he was in school, there was 28 boys, and 28 kids in his class, four boys called Brian and they were all the bold Brians. Okay. So they were all put at the same table, little like eight-year-old Brian. Yeah. And the teacher would just, anytime anything went wrong, yell Brian. And yeah. just know that she'd covered pretty much most of the bad behavior in the class. So it's really funny. He's always hated his name because it's it's really, there's loads of people with it. And yeah. for me, I always hated mine when I was little because it was really unusual. But I, I mean, think, I think like, that's the same thing. Like, I never liked my name yeah. when I was little because I just, like that, it was more the Brian than the Chupy. Yeah. There was so many Neves in my class. Yeah. There was three or four of us. But as I grew up, I kind of, loved it because you know I, I recalled when I left the country and went anywhere else people would be really interested in, and I felt kind of exotic yeah. or something because my name was Neve Niebacher but anywhere else they were just like what where's the V yeah. where is the V in your name so uh, it's funny how you kind of grow into things like that yeah. so I mean that sounds kind of like a different childhood than like a lot of a lot of people it was very different yeah. and then so we grew up in this so my parents came home from traveling and they were about 25 years abroad and they came home and really Really wanted uh, wanted somewhere beautiful and wild because they lived lived in like mum lived in the up the um, uh, up the Amazon River in Peru yeah. for about a year with a tribe so they just thought this was totally normal yeah. and so they found this house in the middle of nowhere with no electricity like they wanted electricity but it wasn't happening yet <laughs> and so they uh, they were prepared to wait and then I was really sick when I was little yeah so I had a compromised immune system which essentially meant that I got everything going I had measles, mumps, rubella, shingles, anything you can name before 10. Wow. Even I had all the vaccines and all the things, but I was just really unwell kid, so I couldn't yeah. go to school. So I was homeschooled. So oh. my mum was this amazing woman who said, okay, if you can't go to school, well, I'll teach you. And so I grew up in kind of like rural paradise of, we had a mountain. I always, I always remember actually, coming down to my, my granny's garden in Sandy Mount and thinking, how would you cope with a garden in one direction? Like you don't have, what if you want to chase the sun or you want to go and explore and you just had a garden that ran in one direction? Yeah. <laughs> because we grew up on a mountain. Wow. So I think that love of wild things and that connection with Ireland because my mum was so passionate because they'd really chose chosen to make her home they were yeah. always very passionate about she is very passionate about Ireland absolutely and obviously you said that you're homeschooled as well so again slightly unconventional yeah, definitely. in terms of so you then went to college presumably obviously you did so how was that like going from essentially being homeschooled and I, I love the quote that's on your website it's it's how it developed a, a healthy like non-relationship with rules or like a relationship <laughs> a healthy with disregard. a healthy disregard for rules exactly um so what was that like then when you kind of went into more of a mainstream situation well we had a very unconventional homeschooling so we weren't I always feel I have to point out with the Trump school of economics going on that we were brought up to you know believing in evolution super mm. we had a super liberal upbringing on and a super liberal homeschooling so we learned whatever we wanted to if yeah. we were, wanted to learn French mum got us French books if we wanted to climb mountains for the day we climbed mountains but we always had the basis of math and English so I was saying my dad's an economist I'm a nerd yeah. I love math I love e economics and then when all my friends were doing their junior search I thought oh I want to do my junior search mm. and so I went and got the books and I taught myself and but like mum is brilliant so she really supported me and 
I sat it and loved it. I loved knowing, um, I've always loved, I think the thing homeschooling really taught us and that mum taught us is we were responsible for our own destiny. Mm. So my brother runs a film production company called Little Beast. We're, we're both in the creative industries. Yeah. He works with like, clients like Guinness and Web Summit. And I think we both ended up doing something creative because mum really told us we could be whoever we wanted to be as long as we worked hard enough. Yeah, I mean, I think it's in you as well, though. Like you obviously are an incredibly creative person as well. I mean, I don't think I could wake up tomorrow and be like, I want to create Chupy jewelry, but I mean, it's something that like you obviously had a knack for design. It's something that is inbuilt. And I was never told I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, incredible. I feel there's such a failing in the school system where you have brilliant. Like, how do we tell four-year-olds they can be astronauts and change the world, and tell twelve-year-olds that they've got to go get a business degree or an arts degree? What happens in those eight years where you take them out of out of junior infants and put them into into secondary school and tell them they can't be whoever they want to be? I know it's kind of a tricky one as well, and I do think as well like you have to kind of figure out what you want to be quite young Hugely. and that's a huge pressure on oh a lot of people because it doesn't Terrifying. like it takes a while yeah. and for you as well you worked in fashion for years didn't did, you so yeah. tell us about how you kind of moved into fashion and you were essentially scouted when you were like very young when I was a baby yeah. I was, th- my, was 35 yesterday so I'm definitely terribly grown up thank on you Valentine's yeah. Day as well like if your life could not be more of a storybook your birthday is on Valentine's Day I think Day. it made me a romantic thing. Yeah. I really feel like it made me a romantic so I always thought that on Valentine's Day you gave Valentine's cards to the people you loved most in your in the world yeah so like we would decorate the house with loads of hearts and we do a whole big extravaganza and I'd get my mum a card and I'd get my brother a card and they'd get me cards and like so it was a proper big celebration oh hugely mm. and my mum always did that so for Easter we'd always do an extravagant like hang all the decorations so you have all the beautiful hand-painted eggs but I think it made me a romantic I really yeah. believed in love and also I have to say my husband Brian is um is such a romantic so we met when we were Six, I was 16, he was 17, which is 19 years ago. Wow. Which is terrifying. And he told me after two weeks that he was going to marry me. Stop. And we'd be together forever. That is so romantic. And then he loved me. And I was like, I was like, I, no, I didn't think so. I was really <laughs> simple. I was like, my parents were divorced. And I was like, yeah. I love the idea of the fairy tale, mm. but I don't think it's realistic. And he was like, no, it is. And, and it will be. And we'll make it work. Oh, and we wow. are both super opinionated, both eldest children, both. Yeah both very strong, but we've managed to build a life together. Yeah. And that love and romance, I think, has been a, a theme throughout my life. So. Right, absolutely. Well, yeah. being born on Valentine's yeah. Day, like, yeah. you kind of had to. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but so you, you moved into fashion. So tell us about yeah. this. Sorry, then. No, I'm terrible for a segue. I'm so, I will be no. off sideways and I won't that remember what we're okay. talking about. That is okay. That's fine because I want to come back to Brian in a few minutes. But go on, let's talk about... So I was... I, so I did, did my junior cert and then mm. I taught myself my leaving cert um, with some support and help. Uh, did my leaving and then I was also writing a cookbook so I was really sick when I was a kid I had a whole bunch of food allergies as part of it and so I couldn't eat anything and my mum was talking to a friend one day and said oh the kids are really enjoying cooking and um, writing and the friend was like well why don't they write a cookbook and mum was like okay why not and being her and really supportive helped us write this helped facilitate us writing this cookbook and it was called what to eat when you can't eat anything back uh, I was 18, so 17 years ago. Wow. So that we launched that, it went sold in New York, sold in London, sold in Ireland. Uh, I remember Doreen Allen saying that it was one of the best little cookbooks she'd ever read, and I was 18, and that was just Doreen Allen, yeah, like I, everything. It Huge. Was, she's such a pioneer in food. Absolutely. And food has always been such a love. So 
I did that and then took a gap year between leaving Sarah to do the book tour and then another gap year for the book. And then Brian said to me, Brian was like, you need to think about going to college. If you don't go now, you might never go back. So yeah. I thought, OK, well, what do I really want to do? And my first thought was journalism because my mum's a journalist and it was in the same university Brian was going to. And mm -hmm. I thought, brilliant. And then um, he sat me down and was like, don't don't go there just because I'm there. And, yeah. you know, don't don't follow my dream. And I thought it was amazing because I really wanted to. We'd never we were kids. We'd never been together every day. I was like, oh, how amazing to go to the same uni. Yeah. But I didn't. And so I went and chose fashion instead. Wow. And I did fun fashion in a tiny little college in Dunleary called Sally Noggin. Mm -hmm. It's a PLC and it's amazing. Yeah. I loved it passionately. And so then you went in and you worked in fashion for a good few years, didn't well, you? I'd always, I've always, so I guess designers always fall into a couple of different camps. Yeah. And I've always thought that as people who want to make one incredible thing that'll make one person happy, you know, the dress for the Oscars carpet, mm. the ridiculous wedding gown, that extravagance. I've always loved the idea of making something that makes a thousand people happy. Yeah. How much more exciting. I love the idea that something I've made could touch someone in, 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 off in Uruguay, someone in Tokyo, yeah. someone in Sydney. I've loved that idea of, of touching hearts. So when I was 17, I started a little women's wear label. Oh, wow. And that sounds terribly fancy. It wasn't. I was 17. There was a fashion market down in Temple Bar called Cow's Lane. Yeah. A little tiny one. And every Saturday from Wicklow, I'd get on the bus with my two suitcases and my rail and go into town and set up my little fashion stall with wow. my like eight dresses or whatever yeah. my collection was. And I did that every year from 17 to about 24. Wow. Who said they feel like Del Boy in sequence? Yeah, <laughs> I love, I love, I love the joy of someone finding something that makes them happy. Wow. Okay. And I mean, interacting with customers as well. That's the point. Yeah. Like it's the moment. You know the moment when you try and address that you really love, mm. and you stand. It just feels different, yes. doesn't it? Yeah. And you stand in front of the mirror mm. and you do that little like. You just feel like a better version of you and you I know. feel amazing. If somebody could bottle that feeling. That feeling. Yeah. And that was the feeling I was chasing. So I loved watching people try on things and figuring out what they loved and what they didn't. Yeah. And so then four years later, it seems a crazy amount of time, so I was 17. When I was 21, I was in uni in college doing fashion and Topshop were opening their first flagship in Ireland. Mm. And that sounds like it's 14 years ago. So it's a million years ago that they oh opened. God, I can't imagine a time when they weren't here. I know. Yeah. They had the tiny little store in Jervis when it was titchy, but they'd never had a flagship. Yeah, yeah. And so they just, they'd Oxford Circus and they were opening their Belfast flagship hadn't opened yet. And they were scouting for designers to design for the brand. And they came through, which is what they always do, come through the markets, come yeah. through the colleges. And they came to... And I remember getting this card from the Topshop Scout and nearly dying of excitement. Oh my God. So you're proper scouted? Yeah, properly scouted. Went and did the interview to do a presentation of my collection, which yeah. I didn't have because I was a student. Yeah. Like no bloody money and no way to do it. And I officially joined Topshop on the 5th of November 2013. No, wow. sorry, 20, 2005. 5th of November 2005. Yeah, and then you were there until. And then that's why 2013 is, yeah. is and a so big date for me. What was that experience like then working in? You know, I mean, like it is it is called fast fa fashion, you oh, know. Um, but obviously you were on the, on the kind of design side of things more. More so, so I mean, what was that entire experience? I don't think that you stay in a place for that long unless you're really passionate about it, or unless you're fulfilled by it. So you must have enjoyed it, right? I loved it passionately. Yeah. I was 21, working for the biggest and coolest fashion brand on the high street. Yeah, and that was so. I was running an independent label, contracted exclusively to Topshop's flagship stores. Wow. So at 21, I remember the first launch day. 
and um, it was this huge party and I'd never seen anything like it like a, a big launch there was about 300 people there all the journalists all the cool girls all these people had come over from London mm. I was as green as it was humanly possible <laughs> to be as I was a, such a young 21 I wasn't like cool hip 21 I was like <laughs> green countryside 21 and um, I remember our collection sold out on the first night oh, wow. so we had maybe 100 garments on the rails and they all sold everything bar maybe four or five skirts and the next day obviously Topshop were like okay replan out I was like, what's replan? I had no idea that you were meant to. So all the shops would carry almost the same amount of stock on the floor and they'd have the same amount in the back room. Yeah. So when you go in and you buy your beautiful silk dress and you yeah. take it off on home, they're able to replan it immediately and put it back out. I had wow. no idea. Yeah. So I had to learn so much about building a business, about running a team, about so much. But and I loved fast fashion because, you know, it was the, it was the area of Lipsy, you know, yeah. tiny little sequin dresses oh, and ridiculously yeah. short party things. But we'd always made everything in Ireland. So mm. it was something I was always really passionate about was made with love. Yeah. So even though we were fast fashion and it was incredibly tight, like you were selling a dress for 59 euro that was made in Ireland. Yeah. And that was really Absolutely, tough. Absolutely. Yeah. But it was so exciting. And so what was the point then when you realized that there was something else that you wanted to do and not necessarily like waking up one morning and going, jewellery, it's jewellery, <laughs> I want to do jewellery. But, I mean, obviously working in a fast-paced environment like that as well and managing a team and, um, you know, sometimes I think when you're doing that, it's hard to look beyond that of what else you wanted to do. But were you just, you knew that there was something else for you? And I was so rubbish at um, letting go. I really was. I... I worked every, for those first two years, I worked every single day. We only started taking Sundays off after we finished our second yeah, year. Yeah, so you were flat out. Like, Just yeah. completely in mm. it and completely immersed. And also making the mistakes that we all make when we are really passionate about something, of not believing anyone else could ever help you. Yeah. I felt my problems were uniquely mine and that I was so embarrassed by the things I couldn't do mm. that I couldn't ask for help. Like I needed, um, I needed you know, a bookkeeper. Yeah. And I felt like oh, it was better I did the books because I, you know, I couldn't explain the things I was doing. And so I just was in this absolute tunnel of this work. This is why people don't sleep sometimes. It's it's literally, you just, yeah. you're afraid that, and it's not even about, sometimes people say that the best thing you can do in business is learn how to delegate, which is so true. Hugely. But it's not even about delegation. It's about the fear when you delegate. Yeah. It's about like, well, what if it... What if it's just not done and then it's yeah. actually on me? It comes um, back to you. Yeah. yeah, And it's the thing we all have to learn. And mm. so that was a huge part of those first few years. I loved it passionately. I don't remember the day I started getting disillusioned with it, but I remember there was moments. So I remember, so I, fast fashion is, is stressful and demanding and yeah. intense and as so many roles and jobs mm. are, because um, you're producing a collection that might be dead in six weeks. Yeah. So you produce a collection, three weeks later it's on the shop floor and in six weeks it might be gone. God. And it's such a fast the turnaround. Around, yeah. It's crazy and mm. it's the way we all expect it to work. And But I remember moments, I remember saying to Brian I was bored. I've never been bored. I'm really oh, bad at being bored. I, I was like, I've, I've been stressed and under pressure, but boredom was never good. Mm. And Brian was like, well, you should get a hobby. You know, why don't you, you do something to take your, you know, do something in the evenings. So I've never, I've never had hobbies. It's not really my thing. And so I well, said, you've been making cookbooks yeah, and, yeah, and you've been starting like, businesses and you've I, been scouted. So you've been busy. Huge passions. Exactly. I, and I always feel anything I want to do, I want to do it with my whole heart. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, so I started making some jewellery and I was making pieces for me and pieces for friends. And then a stylist asked for some and then, you know, people were suddenly asking for them. And then the, the big turning point, the day I knew was Brian proposed. We were in, so we were together 10 years and he told me he wanted to marry me when we were together two weeks. And I was like, no, like total feminist. Marriage is rubbish. <laughs> Whatever. Don't need a ring. Yeah. And then 10 years later, we were 20, I was 20. 
six and we were in, in Montpellier in the south of France and it was at midnight by a fountain, ridiculous. Like I got the fairy tale proposal yeah. and, and he's, he was incredible. And I, I remember holding my ring the days afterwards, holding my engagement ring and thinking, I own a piece of the future. Like, yeah. It's like nothing else in the whole world. Your engagement ring is something that marks a moment and that will pass on as an heirloom to your daughter and your granddaughter. And hopefully in years to come, my great-great-granddaughter will wear my engagement ring mm. and have a piece of who we who we were and a piece of a piece of the past that you can't ever replace. But that's so amazing. Yeah. You're like getting to me. Because <laughs> I would be more like you before yeah. all that, like the two oh, weeks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that is when you describe it like that, I'm just sold. I'm sold. Give yeah. me everything. <laughs> Give me everything. Jewelry is like that. Yeah. And so I suddenly opened my eyes because my mum is very like my mum is one of the founding members of the Irish women's movement. So the 13 women who changed the world and fought for the contraceptive train. And that was mum and her gang. Yeah. And so she's very always been so about love but never about the you know never about like oh well you have to get the ring and you have to get yeah, married yeah. remember when we told her we were getting married she was horrified she was like <laughs> but you guys could like go to Sri Lanka for six months and just spend, you know, get married on a beach and just you know don't worry about a wedding yeah, or a party yeah. there's no pressure mm. and she was so funny about it but I opened my eyes to jewellery and the magic of it and the moments it marks and the symbolism of it and I I really fell in love with it and I think yeah that was I've always put that down as a defining moment so it was a long, I, uh, I ended working with Topshop and I, it sounds really easy. And I always think that's the con, you know, when you read, you read people's life stories and mm. you hear about the seminal moment and suddenly they were doing one thing and then they were doing the other. In reality, it was about two or three years yeah. of starting, of finishing with Topshop and starting a new thing. And, and it was, we were so broke. Yeah. Like I was able to do it because we had no babies, no mortgage, yeah. no responsibilities. We had nothing we had. We're only responsible to ourselves, Brian and I. And I thought, if I don't take the risk now, I never will. Yeah. I don't want to wait until it's 10 years on and I'm so afraid I'll never make it. So. And this was only in, like, 20, 2013. 2013. And that's crazy because Tupi has become so synonymous now, I think, with Ireland. Like, everybody knows about it. So it's a huge amount that you've come on in the last few years, essentially. Like, I, I thought it was... Okay. 2008, 2009, something like that. For some yeah. reason, I just, because I've always been aware of it, you know? But that's the amazing thing about Ireland. We yeah. are so lucky, and the reason so 2013 was misery. Uh, like, it's hard now it's to remember in mm. such a in such a positive environment when the economy is doing so well to remember yeah. how bloody miserable 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013 were. Yeah. They were awful. So yeah, I it was left, grim. So grim. And I officially left Topshop in 2011. And those years were awful. So many of our friends were leaving. Yeah. I'm sure you had the same. Yeah, absolutely. So many people, especially like I graduated in 2008, 2009. So Into, we were just like, yeah. hello, can yeah. we have some jobs? And Ireland was like, no. And we were blamed you for You have it. to go. Yeah, we were. Yeah. We were like, you know, if you're in your 20s or 30s, you were definitely told you were part of it. You know, we partied hard. No, we bloody didn't. I didn't party <laughs> at <laughs> all. Yeah. Like I literally didn't party. So we worked really, really bloody all hard. All I was doing was studying. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was all, yeah. So yeah. it was tough. Those years were grim, yeah. And so many of our friends were choosing to leave and so many people went, we're leaving and we're going to London and we're going, and obviously London, so my dad is English and I spent half my life between here and mm. there, mainly in Bath in the West Country and then into London. And it was such an obvious choice, why don't we just move to London? And we really talked about it and thought, I guess I've always, I, I think one of the most powerful questions you can ask yourself is what does happiness look like to you? Mm -hmm. And for me, happiness is the people I love most in the world. The people, like my family, my friends, the, the network we've built. And we thought, 
we want to make we want to make something make it matter so we decided we were going to stay in Ireland and build a business in Ireland and yeah. build a future in Ireland yeah. and we thought hopefully one day we'll be able to bring some of our friends home who've gone abroad home some of the people who've chosen to go abroad home and actually today it's amazing so our brilliant marketing manager moved home from Australia is working for us our brilliant production associate moved home from London Stop, we're currently so scouting again in that. London that's incredible and we're bringing so we've 27 on the team now and so many of them are one of our team. I know that from her class, she's the only one working in Ireland because her industry, yeah. when she graduated, there was no jobs and she came and worked with us and her whole yeah. 25 of the class all gone, but she's with us. It's an incredible way to think of, of a business model as well because it doesn't mean that you haven't expanded. I mean, you're in 64 yeah. countries, yeah. you know, so like you ship. Yeah. And the stories that you make with your jewellery are obviously connecting with people all over the world. But I think it's an incredible thing that you actually did choose to stay here with the brand and not go when the draw of London would have been obviously because pulling it's you. it's so easy to leave mm. and everyone chooses to leave. And Ireland, there are loads of bloody problems. Like there are Absolutely, loads of yeah. things wrong with the country and loads of things I'd like to change. But it's also a new Ireland, like yeah. the vote for marriage equality, the vote for women's right to choose, yeah. like all of those things say that we're building a different country. Mm. And if we'd all left, like if you'd chosen to leave when you'd graduated, yeah. what would Ireland look like? We'd have left it to people, how tough it would have been for everyone we'd left. Yeah. And instead, so we live, um, we live in town and we live about 20 minutes walk from all of our best friends yeah. and that's that's such a privilege Absolutely. I'm so lucky to be able to say that the people I love most in the world yeah. are all close by and building that building the company here had huge challenges don't get me wrong it's been really tough being here but it's also been so amazing because yeah. Irish people are the most incredible people in the world I think there's nowhere else we would have succeeded so well because they understand why like mm. when I say made in Ireland they know why it matters you know yeah. made with love why it connects that's it's such an incredible story to tell. And then when we go out to a global audience, so those 64 countries, mm. the people like the, you know, there's orders this week going out to Japan, there's loads going out to the US, they're going out to South Africa, they're going out, there's one to Korea, there's one to Taiwan. But they're connecting because people care about why, where it's made, why it's made, how it's made. And it's not about, um, it's not about guilt, ethics. Mm. I think it's an interesting one. So we all feel guilty. You know, you say to someone, ethical, and they, you know, like are standing there wearing their Zara t-shirt or their penny shoes. And, yeah. But it's not about guilt. It's about a positive choice. Mm. Like the impact you have. So someone buys a ring from us, that's supporting around 45 jobs in Ireland. Wow. One ring. Yeah. I just think that's incredible. It is, yeah. In terms of the actual business, though, as well now, you know, it's been however many years since you've started. Um, the social media side of your business is something that I love and I just want to know like was that a conscious decision because you you give a little story with like pretty much every piece of jewelry that you know you put up on your social yeah. media obviously not every piece of jewelry that's sold but obviously the stories behind the jewelry is is very crucial so do you write those do you ask the people <laughs> can you share their stories like how do you come up with those stories because I'm not gonna lie they make me cry oh. full-blown <laughs> Welling up on my desk. You should like. see the ones that don't make Instagram. The story, oh, like, it's unbelievable. Brian is always laughing. He says, I'm addicted to Instagram, and I totally yeah. am because for me, social media has been such a powerful force. It's all good. positivity with you, Hugely. though. That's the thing that 100%. I think is, is a really crucial element because social media can be incredibly negative. And it's such a dangerous space, and I feel mm. so grateful for being 35 and having grown up without it. Like, yeah. I've been a teenager without it. And well, you having... also grew up without electricity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't have Facebook till college. <laughs> but I definitely had electricity. I know, I think we were at nine when we finally got full-on electricity and yeah. it was like, oh my God, cool, you can watch TV in And Bebo was bed. years away. So and I like... never, I like somehow missed Bebo I, and I kind of didn't do the Bebo thing and then I got Facebook maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. It was never really, but I, 
I love, I love the story. I love sharing. I love why. So I was saying my mum's a journalist and a writer. And I always used to laugh when we were little because people will just come up and tell her their story. Mm. People that she'll be talking to someone and suddenly she'll know their entire life story. And I always thought it was amazing that people would trust her. Yeah, it's a great journalist who's it, able to do that. Incredible. Yeah. And it's such a lovely thing to be able to do, to mm. tell a story. So I think it started really slowly with us. So I, um, I think we're on Instagram. So the, we're going to be six years old in April. So it'll be our sixth birthday for the, for, for the brand. And I think Instagram was maybe three or four years ago I really started using it. So I've always taken pictures. So when we were little, mum got us um, so old we had film cameras, lads. For those of you listening who don't <laughs> actually know what a film camera is, we didn't have digital. And mum would give us, gave Luke and I, and like he's now a photographer and a filmmaker, mm -hmm. so it made so much sense, cameras. And she'd process our films once a month. So we'd get a camera and we'd shoot for the month and then she'd process the film. And wow. Just, I say the excitement of getting oh, the pictures amazing. back. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And it was incredible. So I've always loved taking photographs. I'm the really annoying person. You know your friend at the party who's always taking the photographs and you're all like, go away, leave me alone. That's me. Yeah, I and, would do that too. Yeah. I would do that too, yeah. Because it's it's marking a moment you'll, yeah. you'll never get again. And you take the photograph at the time and everyone gives out, like New Year's Eve, where everyone's, you know, everyone's like, don't take my photograph. And you take the photo and a year later, we're all like, oh my God, remember the moment. See, that's it. Remember who we were. And mm. so I've always loved taking pictures. And so Instagram is me. I'm totally addicted. I have an incredible team. Emily, who really supports me, Zoe, Joanne, Farajat, these are the guys who just work across Instagram and everything they do. But the feed and the photographs and the stories are me because I'm, I'm it's why I do it yeah it's why well, I, it comes across that it's yeah. you you can tell and not just because <laughs> of your nails <laughs> not just because of your nails which I love by the way Thank you. I mean, um, from, actually very practical so for I have gold sparkly nails I yeah. get this um, gold sparkly manicure and it's usually because I work with a lot of saws and blades yeah. and and you just if you hop a saw into your fingernail if you have a giant gold shellac manicure it means your fingernail is fine wow see it's so like, it's practical it's hugely practical see people yeah, would yeah. say is that practical <laughs> absolutely oh it's amazing and it keeps your nails so safe from yeah. one of the things that we work because I work with my hands I'm always joking so Brian has really soft hands because he's in he's in IT he's a professional nerd and mine <laughs> are like super super leathery and like all the cut I'm always going like I've, I'm collecting a new scar I got that one a while ago but um that idea of of the story is is so magical because it's why I do it yeah I love that I think it's one of the greatest privileges we get to to bring hope to people on their happiest days and their saddest days. Yeah. On the days, you know, you you buy precious jewelry for big moments. Like you buy yourself, you know, you, it's the day you fall in love and it's the day you decide you're, you're gonna get married. It's the day you decide your marriage is over and you wanna get a new rock. It's, yeah, it's those kind of stories as well that are incredible that I always, they're the ones that kind of yeah. make me tear up as well. Cause it's not always about- Perfect love the stories. perfect moments. Yeah. It is, can be, it can be about the, and awful I, moments as well, but how you mark them and how you move forward. And I think that's one of the huge challenges mm. with social media and with Instagram is perfect lives. Like all of these bloggers with their perfect lives and their perfect boyfriends and their perfect houses and their perfect babies. And you look at them and you think, my life isn't perfect because none of ours are. Yeah. Like there's so many things that are, are amazing about my life and so many things that are, are totally rubbish. Yeah. But that highlight reel that you get when you go on Instagram, it can be quite a negative place. Yeah. And so I really wanted to start uh, to share the stories of, of and like, we, are, we meet the most romantic men and women all over the world. We had a guy who flew in from California to get his ring. Just flew in, and it's a real thing actually. We have a store in Paris Court Tennis, yeah. South William Street, and people are traveling to us now. Wow. So they're coming in, and like the romance and magic of that, you know, guys organizing secret proposals and using their best, you know, you're getting her best friend in on it, so they'll come in and try on the ring together, and they'll have this whole moment, and I, you, you'll be thinking, oh, it's this is the couple, but it's mm. not, it's the best friend. So she makes sure that her girl gets the ring of her dreams. Amazing. And we get those. Yeah. But there's the stories, there's the equally powerful ones of loss, mm. of 
people coming in. I remember the first one, first divorce ring we did, and we were, it was a huge diamond, ridiculous, this absolutely amazing grey diamond, the three, four, three and a half carat, amazing, yeah. absolutely beautiful. And she said that, it was just so amazing, she said that she thought she'd, she'd been through such a horrible journey and that she thought she'd never love again. And then, and she was coming through the other side and she had her rings from yeah. from him and she said that she wanted her daughter and son to have them. So she didn't want to melt them down. She didn't want to sell them. She was putting them away and they were going to be for them when they grew up because she wanted them to still love their dad. But she realized that it wasn't about falling in love again. It was about learning to love herself because that's what she'd forgotten yeah. in the journey of of losing herself in a, in a really dangerous marriage. And... That was incredible that mm. she trusted us with something so important. Yeah. You know, she trusted us to, to make her something so important. Amazing. And she'd also trusted us with her story. Yeah. And so it's amazing, actually. I think Christine, who, who does so much of our care, and Emily and I, like, the stories you get are, and the ones we don't tell are heartbreaking of, of you know, of IVF, of losing a baby, of, of losing a partner. And those are the ones that'll, there are so many personal ones that'll never, yeah. we'll never tell. But there are such incredible ones we get to tell yeah. and get to be part of. And like, it's crazy. I, I was saying that we kind of need therapy after, you know, if you're, if you're on care for, if you're on care or emails or DMs, mm. you sometimes just need to take a moment. And yeah. it's so raw. Well, it's because you feel it as well. And, it's, and it yeah. evokes it inside of you. And that's yeah. why I think people would come to you because it's not just about buying a ring. It's yeah. about the experience of the whole thing. Um, I want to ask about the future because you've you've obviously, you know, six years coming up to the yeah. birthday of the brand. So what do you envision for the future of, of Chupi? I, I guess we're so lucky. So I'm, I'm a big, I'm a, as I was saying, I'm a big nerd. So I love a spreadsheet and a plan. And I think you have to have a huge dream, but I also think you have to have a huge plan to back it yeah. up. So you have to, so every six months, I sit down and write up my goals. So we do the goals for the company every, every month. Every six months? Every six months. Wow, okay. And so the first of... March every year to September, I run a six-month goal, and then the first of October to to the end of March. Sorry, first of April to the end of September. And it's really amazing. You just sit down and write. What do you actually want? So five years ago, no, it's God, three and a half years ago. I sat down and wrote a five-year plan, and it sounds terrifying. Because and I always think when you you tell people that, and I'm really lucky. I get to do a lot of mentoring and coaching mm, now, yeah. and I love working with with younger brands because I feel like I made so many mistakes. Mm. I'd love to help someone make not make some of the silly mistakes I made. Yeah. But that big thing was I wrote this plan three and a half years ago of what I wanted five years to look like. And we have so many of those things have happened. Like we wanted, we worked out of my spare room until two and a half years ago. Crazy. We didn't have an yeah. office because we couldn't afford one. Yeah. And now we have a beautiful big open plan warehouse space with like exposed brick walls and beams and all these yeah. ridiculous things I wanted. And I have this incredible team who are amazing. So I'm a real believer in having a plan. So a huge part of our next journey is around, we're going to be popping up in New York this summer. We're, yes, we've got a pop-up. Yes. Amazing. So, and that's such an incredible thing. So while digital is huge, mm. it's so amazing to get out and actually meet people and see them. Yeah. So a huge part of what we want to do is take the magic of Ireland to the world okay. and celebrate all of the amazing things that Ireland is able to do and take that hugely global. And especially with Brexit, with all of the yeah. threats coming at Ireland, with all of the, the potential we have to do amazing things. That's our next stage. And it's hugely around diamonds amazing. and grey diamonds. Yeah. And telling the story of why it matters, of why made with magic is important, of why made with love. So we're actually just um, about to start a documentary. No I'm meeting all of the people, all of the craftspeople involved in making our jewellery and telling the story of how it's made in Ireland. And then wow. we're going to be showing the documentary. I think it's going to be shown in New York in the autumn. And that really tapping into the, the story of why. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I'm so, so excited. We have huge dreams and that's 
But Ireland has been so good to us. Well, I think as like a, so kind. if you were doing a brand ambassador for the country, I think we would all <laughs> put you right there in the front because literally you just kind of light things up. It makes so much sense. So that's so exciting. But before I let you go, I just want to ask um, this whole episode, our theme is kind of favorite things. Yeah. And that's why it was so fitting to have you come on as well, because you do, you talk about things with such passion and you obviously have given so many items to people that are now their favorite thing. So aside from your brand and aside from jewelry and aside from everything that we know you love, yeah. what are some of your favorite things? So what are you watching on Netflix? Oh my God, I've got terrible taste in TV. That's shameful. <laughs> I'm so bad. I like really, really, either like really, like we're watching Counterpart, which is this amazing spy, sci-fi okay. thriller thing, which is amazing. But like Heart of Dixie, Gossip Girl. <laughs> okay. I like trashy. I am shameful. And Heart like, of Dixie. Of Dixie. Oh my God, it's no. amazing. The clothes. I uh, like, I'm just. I've oh, never seen it. Oh, it's so trashy. Please watch it. Okay. And like the same for Gossip Girl. And like, I know I like really bad TV. I'm afraid. I'm That's ashamed. okay. <laughs> like, I love that though. I mean, I kind of like, well, I don't like, I don't know if it's bad TV, but yeah, I, w I would watch like a bit of the reality TV in the background. Oh I gosh, just, totally. when I say in the background, yeah. like I'm intently watching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it just sounds a little bit better if I say, oh, I just have it on in the background. No, so watch it every week. I love yoga. I'm really passionate. So one of my oh, best yeah. friends, um, Lydia Sass, is a yoga teacher and she's amazing and she's so brilliant and she's always like you know it's I think it's just amazing for making helping you unwind and my friend my other best friend Siobhan is always saying to me I always say to her I don't have time you know that's the big complaint like yeah. I don't have time I don't have time to do x and I'm always saying to her I don't have time to do any exercise and she's like do you have time to watch Netflix oh yes isn't that like zing I was like oh my god you're so right and so mean yeah but she always <laughs> tells you the truth and I love that and so I figured out this perfect system which is like not yoga approved but basically I put on my yoga video and I'm on mute and I put on my Netflix so I watch my trashy tv while doing my yoga in the evening well that's <laughs> just genius isn't it it's life-changing I'm yeah. just saying I'm like totally I get it it's not totally zen because I'm not getting the full yoga thing but I love that oh I love that but I think in terms of favorite things if I wasn't talking about like I have so many pieces of jewelry that are so important Mm. but things are time I think it's the most precious thing you'll ever have yeah. the time you take with the people you love so Brian and I actually went away last weekend to one of my favourite hotels to Belinter House and we just took three days off and hung out and played Scrabble and got went for big walks and got up late and just just were together. That's one of the things, isn't it? Like you just said there, there's yeah. never any time. Never any time. So time is one of your favorite things. Yeah. I love that when you have a bit of it or when you make the time, that's the, the more crucial making thing. Making the time, because yeah. that's the thing we do. So it, it, sounds, it sounds really funny, but I sit down in January and I plan my whole year. So I plan out uh, all of our, so we book every year we go away with our gang of friends. So mm. last year we went to um, Krakow because uh, one of my friends is from is from Krakow and we went and we hung out and we swam in a quarry amazing. and ate amazing food and went for huge walks. And so this year we're hoping we're going to go to Ibiza to the quiet side of the oh, island. Nice. Not the party side, I'm so not the party girl, <laughs> but to the quiet side and some beaches. And so we planned it out. We're going up north to climb Carrick Reed Rope Bridge okay. and do this big walk. And wow. so we plan all these events. So I sit down in January and I plan my year for time. Yeah, because I find what happens otherwise. I get to the end of the year and I'm like, I haven't gone away. I haven't done the I've, things. Yeah, yeah that I you haven't wanted to do. hung out with my people. Mm. Like my mum and I will go away three or four times a year, just the two of us. It might just be a night. I might be working somewhere. I might be speaking at something, and mum yeah. will come with me. And it's those those bits of time you don't think about. It's dinner in the evening, just hanging out her and I. It's waking up in the hotel room in the morning and mm. just getting to like you know get ready together and yeah. mooch to breakfast. And that's amazing. Well, Chupi, I have to say, you said earlier that sometimes when you deal with like the care elements 
of your brand that you feel like you need therapy afterwards. <laughs> I feel so zen right now. I feel like you have just given me the best therapy session and it's so inspiring and it's so lovely to talk to you and so lovely to meet you as well, finally. So at the events now, I will come and say, <laughs> come and say hello to you. Thank Can't you. wait to see what happens with Shoopy in the future. It's gonna be incredible. Thank so thank you so much. Um, so we're back, we're talking about our favorite things and so far we've spoken pretty much mostly about Dolly Alderton, um, but we've also and talked- Zac And Zac Efron. Efron. We're talking about podcasts as well. And when uh, we kind of touched on some things that were coming out there on Netflix, I honestly can't share the amount of incredible book recommendations that were sent in from listeners, but we will share them all on our social media just so that we get them out there. Um, I need to get back to reading more books. I'm just not doing it's it. It's my New Year's resolution. Enough. Yeah. And Chupi said there that one of her favorite things is time. And again, just- it's, How insightful. She, she's just better than Did all of us, like, like, yeah, like she really time. is. Yeah. Everything she says should be quoted. Because yeah. Everything she says pretty much is a quote. I was sitting there for the whole time just going, I'm a bag of crap compared to you as a person. Ah, you're not. A little bag She's of crap. She's just another level. I wouldn't she worry is about a that. She floats. She literally floats. She yeah, can but fly. she, she was know. talking about, and then she spoke about these incredible moments in the time that she has. But one of her favorite things is just having time and like making time for yourself. And I was like, <gasps> I like sex education on Netflix. Which, Sorry, by I thought the way, you were just going to segue right into. <laughs> I really I like this. sex. <laughs> no, I like sex education. What are, so, sorry. What are your six favorite things? We completely oh segued over Neve. Sorry. Speaking, okay, of, okay, guys. speaking of sex. <laughs> my favorite things. Um, so I would say podcasts. Uh, Makes sense. Dan. Who's Dan? Who's Dan? Fuck off, lads. <laughs> um, Dan is one of my favorite things. He's my boyfriend. Neve has a boyfriend. He lives in London. Yeah. Um, squash, sport. Uh, I thought you meant squash is in like no 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 it's my body yeah. <laughs> I do really fucking love my I love body squash. like refreshing three um four five six oh god I don't want to play this game tattoos so, Rebecca Denise I, like I, I love like, a red lip oh I love a red, red lip lipstick. yeah uh, I love tattoos chicken nuggets and you like chicken nuggets food, Thai food food Food, 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 food. What oh. are those weird little buns that you and Dan get? Those what are they called? The like little Chinese. Buns. Oh my god, they're little um. Bow buns. Bow buns. You love a bow oh, bun. Oh, I love a, a bow, bow bun. bun. Yeah, I have to actually say London is probably going to be one of my favorite. You also love a plain well. dairy milk. I or a mint crisp. <laughs> or a mint crisp. Yeah, yeah. Mint crisp, yeah. Mm. Guys, stop. Just look it's, it's a food diary. <laughs> so enough about me, guys. Honestly. Anyway, back to sex, sex education. education, please. Sex education on Netflix. I loved it is, so much. Can I say when I first heard about it when I saw it pop up, didn't pop up straight away because all the true crime stuff just gets right up there at the top. But when it did pop up, I immediately thought that it was an American so sitcom I. for so some reason. So did I. And I put off watching it and for I, so long. Me too. Really? Yeah. I actually, mm -hmm. I went straight in to watch, I love an American sitcom, like a high school vibe. Oh no. And I went in and I got 10 minutes into the first episode and I realized that they were all in Wales and I was like, fuck that. And I actually stopped watching it and then I went back and I watched the entire series or season, series, season. Just one season so in, far, yeah one day and I was obsessed with it. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. And I, I never binge watch stuff. I just can't do it. I get bored so easily. I watched all eight episodes so in two good. days, which for me is insane. Like I must have been hooked on it, but it was so good. I saw um, a person that I follow on Instagram 
and she has kids who are younger, like they're kind of 13 and maybe 11. But she said as a parent, it's actually a really good thing to watch. Really? If you have teenage kids, I because it that. gives a bit of an insight into the way that they are sexually, weirdly enough, without being like or invasive creepy, yeah. and creepy or anything like that. Because obviously it's an interesting made for TV kind of scenario whereby his mother is a sex therapist and then they get into a bunch of hijinks surrounding hijinks. this. Yeah, but like just little things like he couldn't masturbate and, you know, his friend wanted to get laid and, and one woman had, or one girl had like a reputation of being a slut, but she wasn't a slut. And, and like also, all of you know these I, things that people yeah. are going through in the growing up process, which I think is like a really nice snapshot of something. And it's so raw and it's honest. So raw. But I think it's also extremely forward. Like I think it's where we want to see mm our society yeah. in like years to come. I mean, yeah. The way they talk about sex is so open. open. It's very and, open, yeah. And there's no shaming in it either. They're like, all just writing and having a good time. They're all just enjoying yeah. life and so not afraid <clears throat> to speak their mind. Like even yeah. the guy who had um, problem like ejaculating. I don't even know oh, what's yeah, that called. Impotence I don't know. He couldn't finish. But yeah, he couldn't finish. <laughs> like, I don't know what that's called either. He couldn't come, I don't he know. He couldn't come, yeah. basically. And the way he talked to his friends about the people he wasn't even yeah. friends with so liberally and things like that, I think that is so, so gold for the future. It was really refreshing. And I was kind of a bit like, because obviously I'm older, I was like, are they, is this like how people talk about sex these days? Because that's really incredible if it is. Because yeah. it definitely wasn't spoken about like that when I was a teenager. Like it just wasn't. Yeah. But also that's one of the plot points, like that the main girl in it who looks exactly like Margot, Margot Robbie. Robbie. I mean, identical. I just slapped a nose ring and pink hair and Margot Robbie they're the same person exactly yeah um, can't remember her name in it but it's really, really good uh, oh Oh, Super fun. All right. Yeah, um, do you so know she does this little run around. She like she's like they're not having sex. They're having sex. He's giving everyone uh, chlamydia what, or something. Chlamydia or herpes. Herpes or genital warts or genital something like that. One of the like more yeah. chill. Yes. Yeah. He's yeah. giving all this. So basically, she was just like, we need to educate mm. and it's just like a really good premise for a show but yeah. also the acting is absolutely phenomenal yeah, as well and you know what i loved it's a really diverse show it like is, it's yes. not just a load of skinny white people no, you know yeah. there's such a diversity of like all ethnicities all kind of like sexual orientations and there's no kind of like that's the gay one or yeah. like the the two Chinese people are together or yeah. whatever. It's all just this, like they're just absolutely like really saying, diverse. It's just so raw as well. It's just, yeah. this is what sex is. We like to do it. This is what our best friends are doing. Yeah. This is what my sister, my brother, because it's just about like how people have sex and how people be. And I think that's, what's just so, it's coming of age as well, which yeah. I think just so That is definitely it. one of my favourite things at the moment. Although, I'm sorry, what part of England is that? That house Wales, up on the apparently, hill? apparently, but I don't know. Do you know what as well I found when I first started watching it? I couldn't actually figure out when it was... That's the really fashion. like the cars the and the fashion. style, but I think a pair. I was but then they all have iPhones. But and I the way that they talk is so forward as well. Like that, yeah. I was like, is this? But the apparently, is apparently, it's on purpose that they didn't want to necessarily time stamp it in an obvious way. So people are watching it, being like, where are they? When is when it? Is it? There's a slight like it's almost a little bit of fantasy that's yeah. kind of sprinkled on, just because I don't think everybody that age wears clothes like that but these days. According no. to Netflix as Bit well. Much. The way it looks like an American high school, but the cast are English and it's set in England, is mm. to suit both Netflix in the oh, UK and sense. in the US. Oh. So it suits both audiences, which I think is smart too. And also anything that, is it Gillian Anderson? Is that her name? What's her name? The mom. The mom. She's a queen. 
queen. She was in X-Files. Is it Gillian Anderson? Oh, I have no clue. I have no idea. Oh, for God's sake. I don't know if that's her name or not, but I've probably got it Stunning. wrong. Stunning, anyway. Oh, she's, Whatever her name is. Oh, she's incredible. She was in she that. She reminds me of Emma Thompson in a funny way. She was in that show. A little bit. Mm. Um, she was in that show with Jamie Dornan oh, yeah. the, when he was the murderer. How do you what not know this? Called? You're obsessed I, with Jamie I Dornan. Know, I know the one you're talking about. And it was set in the north. I'm really confused. <laughs> <laughs> I really just think in Fifty Shades yeah. in my head. That's all I can think of when I think of Jamie Dornan. Yeah, I know, I know the one you're talking really about. Again, he played like a serial killer. killer. Yeah. Zac Efron, we love your work. I yeah. know, yeah. Um, okay, well, yeah, Sex Education is up there as well. So any other kind Is there of... a season two coming out of Sex Education? There is. It has yeah. been renewed. Stunning. There absolutely is, yeah. Um, I want to talk briefly, because we are running out of time, I want to talk briefly about all of the things, and Rebecca, this is going to make you incredibly happy. It's just all the Disney reboots that are coming out in 2019. Sexual. And the live action, although that doesn't make any sense because they're not real animals, so... But the people are. But it's not live action. I know. Listen, let them There's have There's a it. bit of live action. That's not a real among line the... that's being held up. That is that's some sweet CGI action. That's so what why that do they is. call it a live action remake? Because the people are like live actions. Whatever. I was psyched <laughs> about seeing like a real genie. And I was like, where are they going to find a real genie? Will Smith. Painted blue. <laughs> that's mean, literally what it is. Quite terrifying. Oh, I don't know how terrifying. I feel about that. I read a really interesting article about that. And the reason why it looks so terrifying and the reason why it's going to haunt all of our dreams is they basically just put Will Smith's face onto a CGI genie. genie. They didn't actually change his face at all. So he just looks like Will Smith. It's like a filter on Instagram on or a something genie. Like. Do you not think Will Smith is the most bizarre choice for the genie yeah. in Aladdin? I just think he's not know. a comedian by trade and he's not like a well-known, well, he is a well-known actor, but he's not a... He's pretty big. He's not a current big star. Okay. If you get me. I've no beef with him being the genie. I've no beef with him either, but I, I have just beef think... with that genie. But he has... That version of him as the genie. Yeah, for sure. Haunts my But soul. he has pretty big... Shoes to fill. That's what I mean. Genie no shoes Robin to fill. Robin Williams. Of course. And that's going to be a hard one for anything. So that's why I don't understand why they didn't get somebody with more than three months experience in animation to make that genie. Because <laughs> holy we bug. We haven't seen the finished product yet. It's Never definitely an intern though. 100%. Okay, so I could have done a better job at that. Like, and I'm terrible at Photoshop. Like if you just handed me a bit of face paint, I'd sort it out. Like. So what happens sometimes is that when a trailer is released like this, they will see the audience reaction and then and the then finished product finished. will be different. So I got a feeling that that genie is never going to be seen again hopefully unfortunately I can't unsee it and I it, am I, actually visualising right and now it just it's makes, amazing it, it makes, looks like something out of the blue man group yeah <laughs> I'm just most excited to see Will Smith in this role the Lion King Oh yeah, the lion. I don't know. Can you? Do you know? Ever I recently googled googled what that meant. That basically is in Swahili. There is a lion coming. Look. Here comes the lion. Oh, I love the way we know Swahili. That's amazing. Yeah. I don't think nobody Well, says... I don't speak Swahili. <laughs> nobody says the same saying, thing. Ah, <laughs> Everyone from... has lost it. I was like putting that straight onto my CV. Speak Swahili. <laughs> Intermediate. <laughs> yeah, at the, at the top level. Um, so yeah, the Lion King Beyonce's is coming out. Beyonce's in it. Beyonce. Childish Gambino. 
it's got a James Earl Jones maybe is doing Mufasa. Yeah, he is. He's doing Mufasa again. Seth Rogen is doing Pumbaa, which I love because he kind of looks like but, Pumbaa. And can I also say that's a great casting there yeah. because comedian doing funny role. Do you get what I mean? This Understand. is my issue with yeah. Will Smith. I mean, Will Smith's funny though. He's is he got, ha ha funny though? He's not. He's like ha ha dad funny, but not ha ha comedian. I don't know, to be honest. As he's not Robin mind. Williams he's funny, not but Robin nobody Williams. fucking is. No. So, like... This is it, yeah. And then the other guy who plays Timon is... Oh, no, I'm not going to be able to remember his name, but he's the guy who does... He's Billy on the street. Billy Eichner. Yes! Do you guys know Billy Eichner? No. What is happening? <laughs> Why don't you know anything that I know? so serious. Billy Eichner, does he look like Timon? No, like he's like six foot four and not an animal. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a. Well, not, not sometimes so though. Timon is actors a, and no, he's a meerkat. Meerkat, yeah. I love so Pumbaa. Pumbaa's one of my favorite Disney characters of all time. I love how he just rolls in shit. That's like my goals for life. Guys, I'm just. I think we should wrap it up because I can't believe you've never seen Billy on the street. Just go. He runs up to people on the street and just asks them questions and is then this runs a movie away or really some fast. Sort of like YouTube. No, it's like sensation. a YouTube kind of thing. Yeah. I pinky promise you, I'll do that if you eat an Indian. Oh, I think he promised uh, before I agreed. Early. And banana pudding for everyone. Absolutely not. Nope. I don't think we can. Denied. Um, guys, this has been fun. <laughs> so let's do this. Let's check in every now and I again. I like it, yeah. And do some of our favourite things. Again, didn't get to half of the stuff that was sent in, which was really appreciated. Um, a lot of them were books, and I just literally didn't have time to write them all down. But I'm going to put them all out on our social media as... Um, examples. This is what I love as well. I love when people give recommendations. So yeah. like, I'm going to go and eat chicken masala. Is that what it is? No. No? But, <laughs> but the masala is actually good gear as well, so you should try that yeah. too. Wait, what is it? It was a madras, but... <laughs> I'm a masala girl. The masala girl. would probably be better for you, less spice. I'm going to go eat some chicken madras. <laughs> I might try wear trackies into work next week. Please, will you? I would look like I was hungover. I no, would we're changing, we're changing that opinion. Okay. Yeah, it's about taking ownership of it as well. I would, though, look like I was a little bit hungover if I wore tracksuit pants into work, unfortunately. But we're changing the stereotype. We're changing the stereotype, mm -hmm. absolutely, yeah. I do feel like you need to like be set up here, though, like your yeah, hair and I makeup. never wear makeup to work, so I would, yeah, look, I so. I would yeah. look like I was sick. <laughs> yeah. Sickly. Um, but it's the, the recommendations that I love getting yeah. off other women. That's what I love about it. And that's why I get these weird urges to just know everything that people are consuming. It's a community. That's what we're community. here for. Girls Ladies, with goals. Okay. Um... <laughs> I love myself. It's been incredible. Thank you so much Thanks for, for having us. coming in. And you'll come in again. Please. Uh, I suppose I should wrap up because I'm just literally going. <laughs> you'll come again. Thanks, <laughs> yes. guys. That's that. Everyone come again. Um, I have been Neve Mar. We had Chupy Sweetman earlier. <laughs> oh, it's just like Neve the worst Mar. thing. <laughs> <laughs> right in the face. I have been Neve Mar. This is my gonna... final video. <laughs> I was gonna wrap up my I was gonna wrap you like the Titanic and shit. I was gonna say your guys' names, but I forgot what they were, so I literally only remembered my name. I, I have been Neemar. If anyone ever sees this tape, know that I lived a good life. I've been Neemar. I have been Rebecca O'Keefe. I have been Denise Curtis. We had Choopy on earlier as well, and nobody's gonna see this because I'm gonna cut out the entire end. So and thank together you. we have been. Thank you. Girls of Gold. <laughs> thank you so much for watching. And listening and we'll see you next week but probably not because I'm going to go die in a hole. Bye! <laughs>